is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Ben, we're back. We're excited. We're stoked. And uh, it's Champ Week. Feeling good. No, <laughs> Don't lie. You've got a 40-point lead in your championship matchup. You feel good. So just a, I've, just, had, I've had bigger leads and lost. I've had bigger. That is true. That is true. But I, I would feel good about your situation if i were totally honest with you it should but i don't i've had too much trauma to feel good about it let's say that how about we set the scene this way you're in a super flex league where your opponent's sole and only quarterback is sam howell who just got benched which means your opponent has zero quarterbacks in a no, super flex league in no, the he's got one who's he got bryce young Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, Bryce Young. He's did got just drop zero quarterbacks. Points. He did just drop twenty-five points on Green Bay. Okay. Well, every squirrel gets an acorn. Okay. Up to that point, he hadn't broken double digits in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Oh dear God! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was that bad. Oh, it was oh bad. no. Well, um, I think you got it. If Bryce Young is his only quarterback, I th- maybe he could pick up Jaron Hall. I think I saw that he's going to start for Minnesota this weekend. He could roll out Jaron Hall and uh, oh, is he Bryce I, Young? <laughs> I picked up Nick Mullins so he couldn't start him against me. <laughs> so maybe I need to go get Jaron Hall. Yeah, no, Nick Mullins will not start for the Vikings on Sunday. <laughs> I was That's playing really keep funny. away, like no, you cannot have him. <laughs> That's good. Uh, we got news on this episode. We'll talk about our our championship matchups. There's a few of them that we are on pins and needles about. We've also got some things we learned this year from our this lovely game that we play, some of those lessons that we took away from it. Uh, if you're listening in your podcast player, wherever that might be, leave us a rating and review. It means the world to us. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscription button, hit the bell notification. Uh, so that you can be notified whenever we post a video. Shall we hop into this with some news? Let's get into it. So Russell Wilson got benched and is yep. probably going to be <clears throat> cut by the Broncos in the offseason. Yep. This is this is a <sighs> development. And his cap hit over the next two years is like $80 million. Oh, it's bad. It's very bad. I don't know how you recover from this. <laughs> I Ooh. think so. I've watched, I've watched several different breakdowns of this situation because I don't understand it. Because the best, the best I understand it, his mega deal that he signed when he was traded to the Broncos kicks in next year, and I don't know how you could get out of that because it was like two hundred plus million dollars. I can't see any scenario where you could get out of that, but apparently. If they eat a, I think it's a $37 million and then a $40 million dead cap hit over the next two years, that's all you got to pay for that so massive deal. They're going to get rid of him no matter what then, so I guess they'd rather pay just the $80 million and just right. be, wash your hands of the situation. Yeah. So, so they're going to suck the next two years. I, I guess. I mean, if you, if you draft a quarterback and they're good, I think they would be fine because, you know, the rookie quarterback will get paid nothing. And then you have Russell Wilson on the books and you can still be good because you, it's, you end up paying like a net $45 million for your quarterback position, which is, is doable. But outside of that, I can't really see a scenario where they're okay because they're going to have to um, finagle the cap a little bit in order to make that work. I, ha- I actually haven't even looked at their projected cap space. I don't know what they're working with. But it seems iffy. Yeah, I can't imagine it's cheap. I mean, they do have some 
some young players, but also some young players that are coming up on contracts. Jerry Judy is due for a contract soon. Pat Sertain is going to be due for a contract soon. Javante Williams. Uh, I don't know what Cortland Sutton's contract situation is. I can't imagine they hang on to him, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I have seen that Jerry Judy is going to get moved. Um, they were trying to shop both he and Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton probably worked himself, I don't know, maybe gave himself a longer runway with the team this year because he has been pretty good. But Yeah, we're, we're about know. two years late on the Jerry Judy versus Cortland Sutton argument. We are. It's not like we have done that. Twenty twenty one. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, trying to figure out who's the guy. And I've been, and it's, I've it's been right up until this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Tim Patrick is getting paid. He's got a. Oh, good lord! Uh, t- he's going to get cut. Tim Patrick has a sixteen million dollar cap hit next year. Oi! So that bye, that will bye. that will go away. Then he tore his ACL. Yeah. I think he it was something like he tore his ACL and then he tore his Achilles. Oh. And he's like 30 they would, years old. Yeah, they would save what where's where's oh, they would save ten million dollars by cutting Tim uh Tim Patrick. That's probably gonna get done. Um there's a few other moves they could probably make. All that to say, Russell Wilson is out, Jared Stidham is in this Sunday. <clears throat> And it's hard to imagine. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. Finish, finish what you're saying. No, no, no. Like I, I don't know what you do in this situation. Obviously, and I. Okay, here's here's where I do want to go with this because it is a weird situation where Russell Wilson's numbers on paper are not terrible. Um, I think he's sitting at like three thousand yards, twenty six touchdowns, eight picks, which is basically the exact same thing that Baker Mayfield has done, and Baker Mayfield might win like comeback player of the year. Patrick Mahomes is, I think, at like 3,700 yards, 26 touchdowns, and like 11 or 12 picks. So, like, the numbers are pretty good on paper. Yeah. But I think the the nuance of it is, on paper they're good, but, like, in in terms of executing the team's game plan, Russell Wilson has not been very good, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's hard to imagine, though, that he is not somewhere next season. Yeah. Like, someone's going to get Russell Wilson. And I'm It is just a matter of More who. just to see who you think it would be. I kind of think it'll be the Steelers. <clears throat> I thought the Steelers, I don't want it to, but the Falcons would be an option. I don't um, think the Falcons are going to do it. I feel I like it would don't. be stupid. I hope they don't, but... Look at the players we've got. We have been saying we're a quarterback away, so yeah. And maybe I mean, you are, but I don't, I don't think, think Russell Wilson. But yeah, Russ does not fix that situation. And what's really interesting about Russ is like, could you see him go be a bridge quarterback somewhere? I don't know if I can see Russ being a bridge quarterback. Like Kirk Cousins, well, Derek Carr, well, Russ feel like let himself be a bridge quarterback. Exactly. I no. Like, Russ feels like like Cam Newton, kind of, where he is either your guy or he's out of the league. And he's doing a podcast. Like, it, it's just... <laughs> I, I just can't see Russell Wilson you being a British quarterback. A podcast is Russell Wilson's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he had one a few years ago, and did then he? he just stopped doing it. He did. He had one with, when he was with the Probably Seahawks. Nobody listened to it. Yeah. I, Mr. Unlimited. Oh, don't even get me started. Russ is a... <laughs> he's I don't know so if it's a person, corny. but like he is... Ah. He's probably a very nice guy, but he That's is... That's what corny. I've heard. He's, like he's a decent person, I think. Yeah. He's just weird. He's he's odd. And I, I was in on Russell Wilson when he played at NC State. I mean, it was... I loved Russell Wilson. He was awesome in college. And then when he got drafted to Seattle, and then obviously those first few years, it was like, oh, this is so great, Russell Wilson. And then it, and then he just got weird. He started trying to cook, and then the the meals that were coming out of this let Russ cook thing were burnt and charred, and then the, the kitchen was on fire. It, it all was happened like, when he married Ciara. That could be very related. 
I don't know how much of it's related, but it could be related. Travis Kelsey has seen his uh, numbers decline, dating Taylor Swift. Long story okay. short, stay <laughs> away from pop stars. Travis Kelsey's only a 34-year-old tight end. but You, know, you can no put that deal. in the things we learned is don't date a pop star. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> don't date famous people. Um, TJ Hawkinson tore his ACL and MCL this past Dang Sunday. Dang it! Um, we're going to talk about some tight ends later champion. on things we learned. My champion. Yeah. So, obviously, this season, I mean, it's it's so late in the year that it's honestly kind of inconsequential. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Unless, I think his, his damage is done like he is the tight end one, probably. Right. But as far as going forward with an injury like that, like, I don't know. He might come back mid-season next year. Maybe he's back by training camp. I feel like that would be very, very optimistic. But I, I do think he'll open next season on the pup, probably more, more than likely. Yeah, unless I would he is so. Javante Williams for some reason. Right. But with a guy like that who has been very, very good this year, but you're going to carry that. Extension. He did, so he's paid, but he's also going to be injured the start of next year for at least the first four games, maybe the first six games. How do you value somebody like that in Dynasty where you've been on record as saying he's the tight end one, now factoring in the injury, and then also kind of the the uptick in tight end production as a whole? Where do you see TJ Hawkinson right now? Yeah, it's, it's tough because it's one of those things where as, I think as soon as he comes back, and is playing healthy again, he jumps back to the tight end one. But it's people aren't going to value him that way because you know more than likely he's going to miss some time next season. So you're probably going to see like Andrews and Laporta going ahead of him in some startups, definitely ahead of him in redraft. But I think he will jump back to tight end one once he starts playing. So I don't... Basically what I'm saying is I'm not 100% sure either because I kind of want to put him at the tight end one but with an asterisk of be prepared to have a backup for like potentially six weeks or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it'll be really interesting because depending on who you talk to, and we're going to do this exercise later in the episode, the, the tight end like top 10 right now for dynasty is going to vary based on who you talk to. And so Hawkinson is going to be a really interesting guy to value going into the offseason it's yeah, gonna there's, be there's, depending on who you talk we'll to talk about it later. yeah yeah we'll hop into it uh last piece of news here marquise brown was thrown on the ir for the cardinals so you won't have him in okay. championship week he wouldn't um, be doing much anyway no i i don't know if you were to do a poll of all the championship rosters that had marquise brown on it i think he would be like a bench warmer on all these championship rosters yeah he's like the championship guy tossed Gabe Davis it's <laughs> to to somebody yeah. for Marquise Brown one week and got him. It was like when uh, Jason Terry won a championship with the the Mavericks over the Heat in like 2011, where he's just sort of yeah. a role player. Pretty much. Marquise Brown's the Jason Terry of your fantasy football team. And I do think he's a good player. <clears throat> and I do think wherever he goes in the offseason, he will have value. Oh, for but, sure. But uh, 2023 is, is done. Yeah, we can close the book on 2023 for Marquise Brown. The disappointment that it has been. All right, we're we're in some championship matchups, and I figured we're not going to dedicate a whole episode to it like we like we did last week. But I feel like it People is worth talking like about. <laughs> they're, they're probably fed up. They're they're like, they're like okay, we I don't, don't care. We don't care I'm about done. your team. We need to know how you can help my team. Yeah, but guess what? It's my we're show. We're going to take a moment. <laughs> We're going to talk about our teams because it's fun and we enjoy doing it. Um, You've got a championship matchup in in log in ordinary gentlemen. Yeah, Um, we do two week championships in that league. Yes, we need to. There needs to be more two week championships. I feel like a lot of people. I like two week championships. Most people do one week. I feel I do too. A lot of people do one week championships. Two week. My preferred playoff format is one week for the 
uh, first round and second round of the playoffs, and then two week championships, where you can still you can still have random things happen to get you to the championship. But then I feel like in the in that two weeks, you get more likely than not the best team of those two teams ends up winning, where it's not as random, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I do think the best team deserves a shot in the championship. <clears throat> but, yeah, I do like all the other weeks, I'm fine. One week, one and done. Like, round one, round two, one and done, and then two weeks. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, we have we have two-week championships in, in the two main dynasty leagues. Uh, week one has come and gone for both of us. We're kind of... We're in different boats, though, with how the first week went and how we feel about uh, this final week coming up. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) The team, I still feel fraudulent a little bit like mine. My team shouldn't be here, but still is. Well, you give me that look. The team is very, very good. All around, extremely good. I give you that look because you've got... Like if you just pulled up and threw it in uh through your lineup in a Facebook group chat or something and you said rate my dynasty team, everybody'd be like, Holy crap, this team is great. And he's like the, 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 my favorite comment is always like, What are you playing in a four team league? <laughs> <laughs> yes, people would leave that comment on your team. But the problem is it hasn't performed. And the, it's the same I thing mean, with my s- team. There's still the one seed we're nine and four regular season. Just had yeah. a lot of things go wrong, mainly injuries. I mean, Joe Burrow's on the team and Justin Herbert. So, obviously, I have lost both of my starting quarterbacks going into this. Yeah. Um, I have had Jonathan Taylor on this team. So, I've been most of the season without him. Um, and, and yeah. So, I mean, that's affected. Jamar Chase is on the team, so that's affected him. I traded for Cooper Cup in the offseason. He's been, like, you know, on and off. So really the only, <clears throat> I guess, anchor pieces have been Travis Etienne and Jameer Gibbs the whole season have kind of held it down for me. So, yeah, I mean, you got Matthew Stafford still in there. Um, he was the backup, got him for next to nothing in the offseason, which turned out to be great. Um, but yeah, so there's excellent, awesome players on the team. It's just kind of been a slog of a season through injuries, but we still made it. So we'll see. It's so funny because we talked about on the last episode, all the things that could have happened for me to have won our matchup. And then I, I didn't obviously. Um, and now that gave me an invitational to the, uh, the three, four matchup where I'm getting absolutely throttled, like Hulk smashing Loki in Avengers throttled. Yep by the team that we feel like is the best team on paper and in the lineups. He's killing everybody, and he just had a bad week and lost to the team that you're facing in the finals, and and now he is just handing me a butt-kicking two weeks in a row. He's probably going to be by like 70. I mean, if you you put his team, too, into a group chat, they would say the same thing. Like, are you playing in a four-team league? Like, he's got Josh Allen. He literally, in my opinion... Has the top three receivers like for 2023. Like he's got Tyreek Hill, CD Lamb, and Amon Ra. So with that combo plus Josh Allen and Brock Purdy, like he has been just steamrolling people. Yeah. He's been killing it and he's killing me and it's awful. Yeah, so I'm sorry. But you are in a championship in, in the one league where I would sacrifice everything to win a championship. In this league, in the granddaddy yes. of them all, and I would, I want it to, I want it noted that you did beat me in the semis, but I would be absolutely crushing both the teams in the championship right now if I had made it. Yes, um, after but one week, so I'll give the floor to you. You know, it's really funny because like neither. <clears throat> Neither me nor my opponent have had, neither one of us had a bad week in the first week of the championship. We both had like pretty decent weeks, but it is funny because I felt like I had a terrible week. Um, You're just mad because it's so close after a week. Yes, I scored 130 points and it's half PPR. Like 130 in this league, it's kind of the average score for the top teams. Like it's, 
it's a good week. It's not an amazing week, but like if you score one quarterback league half PPR, so it's going to be hard to get those bigger, big scores kind of thing. Yeah, but like one thirty, you feel okay about. And the only reason I made it to one thirty is because we have kickers and defenses, and um, I, I played. Yes, I hate them as well. They're the worst. But like I killed you in the semifinals because I played the Raiders defense, and then I won this past week because I played Jake Elliott, who had uh, a million field goals. And so I sort of skated by like on fraud, Josh. You should. It was not a good week. I'll be totally honest. Um, AJ Brown and Christian Cooper McCaffrey. Cup. Yeah, I skated by on Jake Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and Lamar Jackson because I feel like nobody else had a good week. So I survived. You, you benched Yippee. Puka. Yeah, I didn't play Puka. <laughs> that was a boo boo. <laughs> I felt so big, but like you never know which week is going to be a Puka week and which week is a Cooper Cup week. So this week I'm starting both of them. And somebody's going to go off. I'm getting in my 30 lineup. from somebody. <laughs> I was like, you know what? The net outcome is better because they're going to combine for probably 40 points. The issue is that one of them is going to score 25 and the other one's going to score like 10. Or yeah. So like I'd rather just have the 35 total than the seven that I would have got if I started the wrong one. So, you know. Puka, Puka and Cooper Cup are in the lineup. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I'm only up by four points going into the final week, and that's just no cushion whatsoever. So I don't feel super confident about winning this thing because I'm just trying to uh, prepare myself mentally for the loss. Just staying alive. It really is bad for the soul because you want to know... Like, you're in the championship week. You really just want to know how it's going to shake out. Like, I don't want to be in this limbo where I have absolutely no clue what's going to happen. I really just want to know, like, I'm either going to get my butt kicked or I'm going to win convincingly. I just, I don't like this whole, I don't know. I just got to wait and see. No, I don't want to wait and see. I want to know. I want to know right now how it's going to go. And that is the fun part slash annoying part of a two-week championship is, like, after one week, you're still like, I could I could still lose next week. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Add some suspense. I just need to hit every single start-sit decision once again. I need Christian McCaffrey to go absolutely nuclear once again. It feels just like you're hoping one lightning more strikes week. twice. One more week. It's brutal. We'll it's always it feels bad, too, when you pop off that first week and you're like, okay, I know they're going to come flat next week then. Yeah, and I think I do feel, on the one hand, pretty good because the matchups last week were not great. Um, the matchups are a lot better this week. Like, Travis Etienne obviously was horrific last week. He laid an absolute stinker against Tampa Bay. Um, A.J. Brown was not good against the Giants. Uh, Cooper Cup, I guess the matchup was okay because Puka dominated, but like it's the Saints, and the Saints have been a pretty good defense. Um, the Lions played Minnesota, and Minnesota's had a pretty good defense. Um, so I don't know. It it wasn't amazing, but like this week, I get Travis Etienne against Carolina. I get Christian McCaffrey against the Manders. I get AJ Brown against Arizona. Uh, Cooper Cup and Puka against the Giants. Um, Michael Pittman plays Vegas. So I don't know. I'm excited for Pittman to be back because I need Jonathan Taylor to do good in the fantasy championship for me. <clears throat> Man, Michael and Pittman, Pittman being has been there, so fun this year. Pittman being there makes the whole offense good. He does. Dude, he's great. I repent, okay? I have not been a Pittman fan for a very long time. I repent. I called you out on it in the offseason. You've called me out on it for two years consecutively. The first and... year I was wrong. It was because I, A, I knew Pittman was good. But I thought Matt Ryan would be good with him, and I was dead wrong about that. But <laughs> yeah, Matt Ryan was washed. Um, he's he's a good player, and Gardner yeah. Minshew is just good enough that he keeps the offense rolling. I'm so curious what Michael Pittman becomes 
when Anthony Richardson is elite and playing quarterback for them. Because I think it, yep. it's a foregone conclusion now that Anthony Richardson is awesome. And I just wonder what that awesome looks like for that team. Yeah, and I think you were worried a lot about the passing volume, but I think when I you've got a guy like Michael Pittman, doesn't really matter anymore. Like, he's going to go out there and get 10 targets. Yeah, and to the the switch from Anthony Richardson to Garner Minshew, like, it's a massive uptick in passing volume. If I knew Garner Minshew was the quarterback for basically the entire season, I would have projected a significantly better year for Michael Pittman because I just knew that he was going to get a lot more targets. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, even still, he's been a lot better than I thought he would be. For sure. Shall we talk about some things we learned this year? I didn't learn anything. Oh, great. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, see you next week. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> um, I, so I figured the way we could do this is we could just go through each major positional group. And I don't know, reflect on what the season has been a little bit and, and sort of like what the major takeaways are. Um, I'm sure once we get oh, yeah. into the, in the true dynasty season, there will be some like really specific things. It's going to be great. I'm excited about um, talking about dynasty every week. Dynasty is so much fun. It, it is really my favorite is. way to play fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, the main takeaway here for running backs, <clears throat> and feel free to jump in or tell me I'm stupid, but you're stupid. I f- I, f- <laughs> I feel like chasing ambiguous backfields for running backs is just failure waiting to happen. Like you can hit the the home run, I guess, but for the most part, there's there's no home runs to be found with ambiguous backfields this year. Um, eight of the top 12 running backs as of recording all have 200 plus rushing attempts and the exceptions those four exceptions to the top 12 are Brees Hall who we're not factoring in a Thursday night this was compiled before Thursday night but yeah Brees is 60- now the running back three which I did not realize until I pulled up like the rankings oh, of players I'm like holy crap well he was like the RB12 yesterday so um but, you know, prior to Thursday night, I know I think he had nine catches Thursday night. So I guess if you factor those in, he has 74 receptions, which is crazy. Um, Jameer Gibbs has 5.6 yards per carry and 10 touchdowns. Alvin Kamara has 73 catches. And B. John Robinson has 48 catches. Um, and those are the exceptions to the rule for You'll the 200-plus attempts You'll notice a trend with thing. all these guys, with the exception of Raheem Mostert, who has 25 catches. Christian McCaffrey at one, obviously 63. Brees Hall, 74 catches. Rashad White, 56. Travis Etienne, 51. Jameer Gibbs, 51. Alvin Kamara, 50, 73. Kyron Williams, an exception at 47. But then, yeah, you've got Joe Mixon at 47. James Cook's at 40. B. John Robinson at 48. Like, it is receiving. Yeah, it's, it's guys, honestly, like the top 20 is littered with players that are kind of just the main guy for their offense whether that be on receiving downs or in that 200-plus carry threshold range. Um, There's obviously some guys like Dave Montgomery. I think he's RB13. He's got 200-plus carries. Gibbs is the guy getting the high-value touches in the end zone and getting the receiving work. But, like, the guys that are good are the guys that get all the work. Rashad White was lower drafted this year, but he has a complete stranglehold stranglehold on the Tampa Bay backfield and like if we would have known that we would have drafted him higher but I I didn't think he was any good (laughs) so I didn't want to draft him this is true um but I mean he's got all the work so like the guys that are good this year at running back are the guys getting all the work and then those exceptions um the guys in ambiguous backfields there's really only two running backs in the top 12 that are in true ambiguous backfields. And those are Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson. And I, I qualified a ambiguous backfield as two running backs, or at least the other running back getting 150 plus carries. So like a true split. Um, 
and Gibbs and Bijan both have top 12 draft capital this past year. They're both extremely talented. And when they get the ball, they have shown that they're freaks. So it was always going to happen. Gifted running back. And Gibbs is... The, the, I mean, he's great himself, and the Detroit offense is incredible, so he is wildly efficient. Yeah. So, all that to say, when you're targeting running backs, target guys who get all the work because the ones that have been in those ambiguous situations, like I remember it was an in vogue thing to go and draft Khalil Herbert or to go target uh, Roshan Johnson from the Bears' backfield. They haven't done anything. Trying to pick the one out of three, like you got a thirty-three yeah. percent chance of making it. And if they're in a committee to begin with, what are the odds they they truly hit? Kind of thing. Right. Um, you think too, like Isaiah Pacheco. I think we thought it was more ambiguous than it ended up being. He's just when he's on the field, he gets all the work, and he's been pretty good. He's still um, in the RB eighteen though. Oh well, there you go. I guess he hasn't been scoring. Is that what it is? Probably. Because he feel also like doesn't catch passes. <clears throat> that, he doesn't score as much as he should, and he does not catch passes. That will do it. Um, so, yeah, I guess how I'm going to interpret this season in Dynasty is taking less shots on running backs. I'm going to just buy into running backs that I know are good, that I know have the work for their offense. And I'm just like... I'm just not going to buy into some of the the nebulous backfields, the ambiguous backfields, the exceptions to the rule. The guy cuz it's going to happen, there's going to be somebody who pops up in the offseason where we're like, "Oh, they could be really good. Sell that player immediately." Cuz like, yeah. There's a pretty decent chance they won't be anything. Um, and there are some guys who are exceptions like you said with Bijan and Gibbs, but you have to look at the whole picture with them. Yeah. Those were already exceptions anyway, because I think we knew that they were going to be ambiguous backfields Running backs don't go top jump. 12, though, right. to not get used. Exactly. That, that was the thing with them is we knew there was a chance that it wasn't all, all sunshine and roses this year. But, like, you draft a player that high to use them. We knew they were really good players. And so, like, it was only a matter of time before they ended up producing, like, good players. And... As it turns out, Jameer Gibbs has been absolutely fantastic, and Bijan, for most of the year, has been really good when they give him the ball. It's just been yeah, the times they Arthur don't give Smith him the ball. If Arthur Smith isn't a psychopath, he'd be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think if you put Bijan on any other team, he would have 250-plus touches right now. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I've seen a few people. I don't necessarily agree or disagree at the same time. I feel like it can go either way. Some people ranking... Gibbs over Bijan in Dynasty. I'm kind of a 50 50 split on it myself. You know, I love Gibbs, but Bijan is also that guy. But, like, if they, if he was on a different team, this would not be a conversation. Like, he would be in his own class of, of running back. Yeah. It is a, like, it's a conversation, I guess, only because Gibbs has been so good. Gibbs and is great. Gibbs has been, Gibbs is fantastic. And he's been good recently which is the other part of it. Like a lot of times in fantasy, when you're looking at these values, it's what have you done for me lately? And Gibbs has been really good for me lately. Well, I guess a part of it, a part of it too, which I kind of agree with some people's argument is Bijan still has yet to take over. Like we have seen, we saw Gibbs start out slow, which we expected, but as the season progressed, he's getting more and more and more involved to the point where he's pushing David Montgomery out of the red zone role. Yeah. Whereas Bijan hasn't really progressed in his own backfield. Like he's still good. He still gets a lot of work, but Tyler Algier hasn't gone anywhere, and Tyler just actually gotten more work lately than he was earlier in the season. Which <clears throat> if you watch the Falcons play, it still makes zero sense because yeah. like I see Bijan and I know he's good. Yes. When Bijan touches the ball, great things happen in a similar way to Jameer Gibbs. And Tyler Algier can be the David but, Montgomery, and he has been. But then the Lions like, said, oh, we should get the Gibbs ball more, and then even more good things will happen. Exactly. And for the, some for whatever 
reason. We get it. I feel like every single week there's a moment when we're like, Arthur Smith is an idiot because every single week it's like, why does this player who's clearly amazing not touch the ball more? That's every single week. There's somebody on the Falcons who's amazing and doesn't touch the ball. Two weeks in a row, Kyle Pitts has had a long touchdown. Like, oh, look what happens when you throw Kyle Pitts the ball deep. And then he has one target wow. the rest of the game. Yeah. I don't get it. Two weeks ago, it was that Tyler Algier had more touches than Bijan Pitts and London combined. And it's like, it's, it's like, so we've got a puppy. And he's really cute. He's great. But he, he is stupid, and he will just, like, stare at me while he poops on the floor, and I, I am telling like, That's not stop. stupid. That's, that's disrespect. He's like, no, <laughs> I'm crapping on this floor, and you're going to look at me while I do it. Yeah, he's, he's looking at me like, I know that I'm not supposed to do this. You tell me all the time that I shouldn't do this, and I'm doing it anyway, and you can't stop me. It, that's what Arthur Smith is. He just, he's like, you can't stop me. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. He's right. We can't. <laughs> There's nothing we can do. We cannot stop you. We can just complain about it. Exactly. Vehemently. So we're complaining about it. Um, okay. A wide receiver. Um, one of the main takeaways I had was you should trust your gut at wide receiver. I went and looked at the ADP of the top 12 wide receivers in the NFL or in fantasy football coming into the season, and I realized that none of them were like flat out-and-out out busts. Um. Cooper Cup has still looked like Cooper Cup for like half the season. Um, T. Higgins has still had four top 10 weeks. Garrett Wilson now has, if you include last night, 163 targets on the season. So like, I think there's still things to point to to say all the guys that we thought were the top 12 players at wide receiver, the guys that we thought were good, they're still all good. And for whatever reason... They haven't quite all lived up to that initial hype. And I think the reason has universally been injury-related. Not that these guys went out and were bad. Or their quarterbacks, because we've had a lot of quarterback injuries this year. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Jamar Chase a little bit before we record, and like he's still looked like Jamar Chase, but the offense stunk for a month and a half, and then Joe Burrow got hurt, and Jake Browning being the quarterback is just not the same. And so he hasn't had that same weekly ceiling. Yeah. So when like we go into, and I've seen people trying to argue like how close like like C.D. Lamb or somebody or Amon Ra is to Chase, and like in my head it's still there is a gap. Like I Jamar Chase is still that guy. It's just a weird year. It's gonna he's gonna be back next year. Yeah. Like if Dak Would Prescott you, um... had gotten hurt, you'd be arguing for. Chris Olave over CD Lamb. Like, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that was happening. Yeah. It's funny, too, because, like, Jalen Waddell and Chris Olave both were in the top 12 in ADP. And I think at different points in the year, like, Jalen Waddell has been a little bit disappointing. But I think at different points in the year, we've said, these guys are fantastic. Like, they're incredible players. And Derek Carr stinks, or Jalen Waddell's injured. And Tyreek Hill's just being incredible. Like, it's just such a weird year in the sense that none of the top receivers have gone out, played football, and looked bad at playing yeah. football. No, they've all so maybe that's just long story a short of this sign. is going in the next year, it's gonna stay the same. Right. And I think that's same probably guys. where I'm going with it. It's a sign that, like, the receivers and the way the NFL is right now is it's a passing league. And so these receivers are incredibly valuable to their teams, and they get targeted. And when you target these guys, they produce. Like, they're just – they're going to be really good. And I don't, I don't really see any of them – kind of dropping off the face of the earth. Like Allen Robinson. Remember him a couple years ago. Holy smokes. I saw you him know, actually you, catch a pass in the last Steelers game, and I'm like, oh, I forgot he existed. I forgot he played for the Steelers. I kind of thought he was out of the league. I'll be honest. No, he's in Pittsburgh. That's wild. So, yeah, I think I was looking for the Allen Robinson 
the the guy that went out and played and just was bad, and there wasn't one. It was just guys got injured. Justin Jefferson got hurt. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson lost Aaron Rodgers, and Jamar Chase lost Joe Burrow, and yeah. even when Justin Jefferson came back, he didn't have Kirk Cousins, and and the of, guys that have surprised. The guys that have surprised, like Keenan Allen and Mike Evans, they, we already knew they were really good. We shouldn't really be surprised by that. <laughs> we were not all that. We just thought they were too old. Uh, we sort of discounted oh. them because they're old. Uh, they're not too old. They're still really, really good football players. So maybe the only true, complete left field, where did this come from, is Puka Nakua. And, okay. But that's a guy but, jumping but, into the ranks, not falling out. Exactly. That's just another... Another member of this committee, I guess. So maybe maybe receivers are just the polar opposite of running backs, where like there's so running backs, yeah, there's so many good ones. And with running backs, there's like three or four good ones. And outside of those three or four good ones, there's players that get all the work for their team. And that's that's how fantasy is for running back right now. Yeah. Like Rashad White should not be... <clears throat> a top no. five running back. And people no. are talking about him like a top 10 dynasty running back. And I don't a hundred percent disagree, but like there are teams like say the lions have two running backs that are better than him. Or like there's, yes, I, I would say go as far as to say Aaron Jones, even though he's old, is probably a better running back than Rashad white. AJ Dillon is probably on the same level as Rashad white. Like there are teams with multiple guys as good, if not better, than him. But he's the yeah. only guy on his team, so he gets all the work. Yeah, and like at the beginning of the year, I thought Sean Tucker was going to steal his job, and then he didn't. I haven't heard of Sean Tucker in like four months. Yeah, he he just hasn't done anything. He's disappeared. He never showed up, I guess. Yeah. He never got off the bus. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, with, with wide receivers, it's the guys, you know, are good and they're good. Another takeaway here, and maybe this has something to do with running backs because the running back landscape is just what it is, but it's, it's kind of a trend across all positions. It's that difference makers make a difference for your fantasy teams. And especially in dynasty, really? when we're looking at the future, I, I think it is worth buying into these difference making players. Christian McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Travis Kelsey's still the tight end one. Christian McCaffrey is five PPR points per game, clear of the RB2, which is ridiculous. Um, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are head and shoulders above all the other quarterbacks. Dak Prescott has had his moments, but he's still a distant third in points per game to those two. Um, I know there have been a lot of good tight ends, but at the end of the day, Travis Kelsey is still the best tight end in fantasy football. So... I guess this one is just, there's studs. They perform like studs. Trade for them. Can't go wrong getting one of the studs. Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't like, get cute is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Don't get cute. There's going to be guys next year that I think will have very, like a variance in value, like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, for example, where in Dynasty there's going to probably be a little bit of a dip in the offseason in their value. Going into this season, they were like so far ahead of everybody else that like you and I can attest to this. You almost couldn't pay and you couldn't pay your entire team and get those guys because it's just the the value of a roster spot was such that people were coming at you with like everything and the kitchen sink. And you're like, I don't think it's worth it because these guys are so good. Yep. Their value is going to probably dip and it's going to be an opportunity to go pay the kitchen sink for these guys because they're incredible players and they're going to be incredible next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. Go buy Justin Jefferson if you can. Yeah, that was the point of this. <laughs> I I tried to sell Justin Jefferson in a league. <clears throat> this I, I did sell Justin Jefferson in a league. Is and, that the um, where, one where I bought him? Yeah. Ha-ha! Um... I was trying to sell him for a for quarterback. I did. No, I got hate uh, for that. You like got I hate for that? I overpaid for him, the people said. Yeah, people said oh, I overpaid really? for him. 
Yeah. I didn't think he did. I, I didn't really want to do it. It was one of those, I think maybe I sent the offer or did you somebody sent an offer? I think it was me. I sent the offer and then kind of forgot about it and felt bad about it later. Um, it, what was it? CD lamb and a first. It was CD lamb and like a late for like the one Oh nine, I think is what it's going to end up being one Oh nine or one ten for Jefferson and the third, which I don't think is that bad because it's a 12 team no. league. So with deep rosters, so you get two for one. You you usually try to trade for studs, but in that league, like sometimes two for ones are better. And yeah, CD Lamb is not far off of Justin Jefferson in points per game, so it's fine. Yeah, and I was trying to trade Justin Jefferson because it's and I'm rebuilding <clears throat> too. So people were like, "Why would you trade CD in a first for Jefferson?" Because it's like Jefferson. I, know, I wanted Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I wanted it him. was. My team in that league is in a situation where I went all in to compete and then it just didn't happen. And I thought I had a really good team and it sort of just fell apart. Justin Jefferson got hurt. Mark Andrews got hurt. The quarterbacks got hurt. Uh, on it, now that I think about it, it was just everybody was injured. <laughs> yeah. Everybody got hurt. And, the t- you know, it's tough to win when all your best players are hurt. So I was like, I guess I might kick the tires on a rebuild here. And I kept trying to trade Justin Jefferson for one of the stud quarterbacks or like work something where Jefferson was the main piece to get a quarterback. And nobody bit at all. I was trying for like Joe Burrow, who's scoring no points for anybody right now. I was trying to trade Justin Jefferson and like use that as the main piece for a Joe Burrow deal. And they were like, yeah, I don't want him. Like Kirk Cousins might not be their guy next year. I don't know that Jefferson's all that valuable. It's like, are you kidding me? It, this it's, is still Justin Jefferson. He is the Jefferson. best receiver in the league. Yeah, he's great. And I guess because he got hurt and because Kirk Cousins got hurt, people just forgot that he was incredible. He reminded everybody this past week when he was awesome with Nick Mullins. He's probably going to be really good with Jaron Hall this Sunday. Like You give Justin Jefferson 10 targets and he's going to be fine. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um. Yeah, trade for some difference makers this offseason. I think that is going to be the key. There's probably some scenarios like that one league where two-for-ones are probably a good deal. But for the most part, in most lineup leagues, difference makers... Got to be good two-for-ones, though. Like, you went from the Dynasty wide receiver one to the Dynasty wide receiver three and picked up a first. So, like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah that one's fine. And two, I probably sold at a time when Jefferson's value was the lowest it had maybe ever been. So yeah. that might not have been brilliant, but I think I think that was a fine trade for both sides. It it probably ended up just fine. Uh, <clears throat> closing things out here with tight ends, I figured we would just sort of debrief the tight end situation because I think tight ends right now are different than they have been over the past few years. Very polarizing. Yeah. And I'm just really curious because we have talked about them over the past few weeks about like where we would rank tight ends, how we would value some of these guys. And I think it just gets a little bit more interesting with the Mark Andrews injury, with the TJ Hawkinson injury. Like what do we do with the dynasty tight end landscape? And we can throw Brock Bowers in here as well because that, you know, He's going to get drafted super-duper high, and he's going to be valued really high. I'm just really curious, I guess, how you feel about tight ends in general. I think we should cut them. Run oh, okay. no tight ends in fantasy football. <laughs> just running backs, receivers, and quarterbacks. Yes. They bore me. So, Fair enough. enough. Yeah, get rid of no, kickers, get rid of uh, tight ends. There's more of them than there used to be. I'll say that. Yes, there are. We've had some additions, thank goodness. It was about time, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, But, I mean, some of of them are kind of predictable, some aren't. Uh, Sam Laporta is definitely an outlier. Rookie tight ends just, they're they're usually not good, so he's kind of a little bit historic in what he's been doing. Uh, Dalton Kincaid... He has not been as good of late, but he did go on a tear midseason. I think he's very good. I think he solidified himself as an upper-tier dynasty tight end. One that is a little surprising but might not should be is Trey McBride, I think. 
because he's yeah. kind of on your typical tight end path of we thought he was pretty good coming out, but it's kind of taken him a couple years to get his feet under him and develop. But year three is kind of when you start seeing stuff happen for tight ends. And guess what? Here's Trey McBride in year three. This is year two. Oh, is it? I thought he was. I yeah. thought he was a third year guy. Okay, I'm wrong. Well, still, this is this is your I mean, two. It took him a it took him a year to get some get some traction going, and and now he has. Yeah, Zach Ertz left, and Trey McBride started dominating. That's basically how it shook out, and it also coincided with Kyler Murray coming back at quarterback. Like he was not amazing to start injury, the year. So Marquise has been in and out of the lineup. Yeah, Trey McBride has been kind of the one constant for Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray just loves him some Trey McBride right now. That's because he has nothing and else. And I don't blame him. He, he, does, he doesn't have anything else, but also McBride has, like, he's good. He's really good. And I would also be targeting him a lot, too. Um, yeah. How do you value those three? Kincaid, uh, Laporta, and Trey McBride for Dynasty? As far as, like, where I would rank them? Yeah. Of, of the three, like, if you were to, like, I guess do a keep trade cut of those three. How would you go? Yeah. I definitely go of those three Laporta, Laporta, McBride, Kincaid, I, I think. Yeah. I feel like that's probably the consensus opinion on the three of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know which one I prefer between Laporta and um, McBride. Those today. are the two. Like I think, you think with Laporta and McBride, they're really similar. I think I definitely prefer to Laporta to me. That's just me, though. May I think I need to dive into it more because <clears throat> I haven't watched either one a ton this year. I've watched each of them a little bit, and I've sort of like box score hunted with them a little bit. So I've probably watched more. Uh, Laporta than you have simply because I have a lot of shares of Gibbs so I watch a lot of Lions games yeah. and I mean he has popped every time I've watched him Yeah, he stands I, out as I watched, fantastic I'm trying to remember which uh, Cardinals game it was that I watched it might have been a, two or three weeks ago and um, McBride looked like George Kittle to me Um. And we've been saying for years that if George Kittle was in an offense where there weren't like 87 different good receivers and offensive targets, he would be just a freak of nature. And like, that's where McBride is right now. He just looks so good to the eye test. Um, and also, I think he's leading all tight ends this year in yards per route run. So he's getting targeted when he runs routes. He's scoring fantasy points when he runs around. Like, he's just, I think there's like a, a combination of the eye test and the metrics that say he's fantastic. And not to say Laporta isn't, because I think Laporta is also very, very good. And there's an argument for him to be the tight end one in Dynasty. I just am not 100% sure where I land on the two of them. I think they're both awesome. And I think if you've got them, you're very happy. But like, I'm not. I don't think I'm definitively one way or the other. I do think there's a pretty decent gap today between those two and Kincaid, though. Yeah, I would say that. Um, but I, I do prefer um, Laporta, and maybe I should – I mean, I need to do some diving in. You, you dive into Laporta. I'll dive into Kincaid. We'll, we'll reconvene know. in the offseason. As it stands right now, I think there is a – if we're going to divide it into tiers for Dynasty, I think Laporta is in Tier 1 with Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. I would put McBride in Tier 2, though. But, I mean, it's not like Tier 2 is bad because I've got, like, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and those guys in there. So, Yeah. So I am I just pulled up a list of Dynasty tight end rankings because I feel like it's a it'll be a fun exercise now that David Njoku has been, like, absolutely absurdly did ridiculous that come from just ridiculous with joe flacco tj hawkinson gets hurt um obviously mark andrews has been hurt and travis kelsey's old frankly so 
here's the ranking that uh, Fantasy Pros has, and I'm curious how you feel about it. At one, they've got Laporta. At two, it's McBride. At three, it's Mark Andrews. At four, it's Kincaid. At five, it's Kelsey. Six is Hawkinson. Seven is Pitts. Eight is Evan Ingram. Nine is George Kittle. Ten is Jake Ferguson. Eleven is David Njoku. Um, are there any other names worth mentioning here? Uh, honestly, I no. Strongly I think the top disagree. eleven are. I have I have strong opinions about this list. I do too. I think this is wild. <laughs> yeah, like, this and, is but this is not this my is favorite what list. The I've consensus ever seen, says. This is a consensus, like, a lot of people contribute to make this list, and this is sort of the net average of that list. I have Maybe, maybe I should listen to, pick, to consensus but. more. I don't know. Maybe I'm just set in my ways of, no, these are the guys I like. I don't know. But. Well, I don't, I don't think it's bad to have kind of an opinion about some of these guys because I think in the offseason, tight ends are going to get traded because people are going to value them differently than other people, and you're going to have tear-down trades or tear-up trades because, you know, somebody's going to say, I want to trade Travis Kelsey for Dalton Kincaid plus and get it done. Some people are going to try and trade TJ Hawkinson off the injury for Trey McBride plus and get it done. But this list says you should be trading TJ Hawkinson plus for Trey McBride, and, like, that feels dumb to me. But Everywhere sort of I have TJ Hawkinson, that, that will not be happening. I can tell you that. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I figured Hawkinson was going to be a no-go off the injury this year. No, sir. <laughs> but, like, having Kincaid at four, I do think, like, McBride was a nothing burger after his rookie year, and he's now popped. I think that could very well happen with Kincaid. And this time next year, we could look at Kincaid as like maybe the dynasty tight end one, or like. And we have seen Kinc- flashes from Kincaid, so I'm not out on him. Right, right, uh, and he's still tied to Josh Allen, so there's there's always that. But like Kelsey at five feels wild, even though he's 34, because he's. I feel I like as long as Kelsey he's playing, he's still great. Would you have uh, Laporta, McBride, Andrews, and Hawkinson over Kelsey? I, have I feel like those would be Andrews, the, Hawkinson, the Laporta all ahead of him. And you'd have McBride after him. Potentially. McBride is kind of the cutoff to where I don't know if I prefer McBride or if I prefer Kelsey. Because I know Kelsey's probably going to be better in the short term. Especially when yes. uh, Arizona inevitably is going to add something, somebody at receiver. Potentially Marvin Harrison Jr., it's all speculation. It's guessing of where they're going to be drafting, but it could be him. But they will bring somebody in no matter what. So the targets will come down some for Trey McBride. But I'm not saying he's bad. But the short-term value of Kelsey, I think, might outweigh that. Potentially. I feel like in a lot of places where I've got Kelsey, I will probably be targeting Trey McBride. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. Because I feel like McBride is going to be perceived. I feel like he's perceived less than Sam Laporta right now. And that's fine. I don't hate that. But I just think the perception of Laporta is he's untouchable. And so I wouldn't be targeting Laporta with Kelsey. I wouldn't mind tearing down from Kelsey to Kincaid, but I think the production drop from those two could be significant. And so I'm not thrilled about that move. McBride is the maybe move on him before his value jumps in the offseason because the production is not going to be a massive drop-off. Um, or maybe you like, I don't know. Kyle Pitts is still sitting there at 23 years old, and it's like, man, if I can tear I down from he's Kelsey Atlanta, for Pitts in a lot. Like, my gosh, I mean, Kyle is just the talent is still there. He's yeah. the most talented guy on this list. He might be. He's very different than a lot of the guys on this list. Like Laporta McBride are true tight ends. You know, they're receiving tight ends, but they are tight ends. Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver that's just big. He's a very big, large, tall wide receiver. But by gosh, Arthur Smith is going to make him block. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. He absolutely will. He's going to scheme Johnny Smith open with Kyle Pitts blocking for him. And I guess, too, like George Kittle's sitting here and he's 30. I don't know that I would be buying George Kittle, but he's had two very good years. So, yeah. I don't know. It is, it is tough. Yeah, it is. I don't think uh, Jake Ferguson would be over David Njoku in my personal no. rankings. I think Njoku might even be above Evan Ingram. I kind of like Evan Ingram a lot. What is, I know you look do. At his status. He's been pretty good. I need to look um, at his contract. He got signed. I think it was like three years or four years for like 50 or 60 million. David Njoku also got paid as well. Oh, he's on a one-year deal. I did not know that. Never mind. He's an unrestricted free agent this year. Who is? Evan Ingram? Yes. Really? Yes. I thought he signed a deal. Did he just sign the franchise tag? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, you're wrong. I, yeah, I'm, I'm right. You're right. I'm wrong. I looked. I was looking at it wrong. I was looking back at the 2022 when he signed the one-year deal. He did sign a three-year deal. So okay. He's definitely under contract for Jacksonville next year. They have an out in 2025. Okay. Sorry. That was very confusing. I'm tracking. Okay, so I'm just going to give you my, here's how I would rank these guys, and then, I don't know, you can dissect it. I'd go um, Laporta at one. I would go, frankly, I'd probably still go Andrews two, McBride three, Hawkinson four, Kelsey five, Kincaid six, and I think I would still probably take Evan Ingram, George Kittle over Kyle Pitts, then have Kyle Pitts, and then like some order of Njoku, Ferguson, Goddard, Fryermuth. After Kyle Pitts, I'm frankly, I don't really care much. Like if I don't have and one. And even of those with guys, Kyle Pitts, I don't know if I care. No, you don't love Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts is more of a dynasty investment. Like I'm going to get him. Throw him on the bench, stash him, hope he turns into something one day. So, but I, I like him for that simple fact of, not for next season production, but just the stash. Yeah. I still think but there's the a scenario them, where he goes nuts next year, but I could just be like with that talent. There's a scenario thinking. every year he goes nuts. I, I still know. prefer Hawkinson as, as we've talked about it earlier, as the one. I think once he comes back to playing, he is the one, but. I do understand having other guys ahead of him because of the injury. So I'm going to put him at one, but I'm not going to fight hard. But I think he's in tier one of those guys. Um, mm. Laporta and Andrews, take your pick, whichever one you care. I, I don't really have a preference. I think they're both great. And then, yeah, it's, it's McBride slash Kelsey, depending on your situation. Obviously, move Kelsey for McBride if you can. But if you're contending, I just, just keep Kelsey. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sort of sums up tight ends. The landscape right now is very different. This time last year, there was uh, Hawkinson, Andrews, Kelsey, and that was the end of the conversation. Nobody else. And not Maybe another soul. May, yeah, but I think there was still a perceived massive gap. And maybe Kittle didn't deserve that, but I don't know. I mean, Kittle's still been good. He's, oh, he's still he's been very good. End. I think he's like three. He's tight end five. Oh, five. Okay. David Njoku passed him. 160 yards on uh, Thursday <laughs> night will do that. <laughs> that will do that, yeah. Man, if they could just have Joe Flacco all year long, uh, David Njoku would be a top five tight end. They found their top, They found their long-term quarterback. Deshaun's out. It is Flacco season. It is the 38-year-old Joe Flacco. I don't have a problem with it. It's probably fine. <laughs> Deshaun Watson, I don't want to talk about him. He's gross. Deshaun's dead to me. <laughs> Problem is, wherever, everywhere I've got him, I can't move him. Just kind of stuck. Oh, no. No, you you cannot do anything with Deshaun Watson. He is, uh, he's locked into your lineup, or you're he's trading him for, team. yeah, for pennies on the dollar. That, that, that man, I know he has been, uh, accused of many crimes, 
but perhaps the greatest crime he committed was the highway robbery that he did with the Cleveland Browns front office. <laughs> 250 million. Man. And I don't even know if he's the third best quarterback on the team. He might not be. <laughs> PJ Walker has not been a big drop off and they cut him. Dorian, Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. He might not be much different than Deshaun Watson and they're paying Dorian Thompson Robinson like $500,000. I saw more amazing plays out of him than I did out of Deshaun this year. Saw a whole lot of bad football from Deshaun Watson this year. It makes you feel so bad as an owner when you paid 230, 240, whatever it was, million dollars for Deshaun Watson. And then a 38-year-old comes off the couch and is so noticeably better than your franchise guy. Like you're having conversations behind closed doors of like, what are we doing? How did this happen? Why is this guy so Deshaun good with this team and the other guy so disappear. bad? Yeah. <laughs> How do we make him never show up on a football field ever again? I don't know. And still not pay him $200 million. Yeah. How do we get out of this contract? He's, he's looking for I remember for I like, was upset when the, there was rumors that the Falcons might get Deshaun. I'm like, oh, seriously? Might get Deshaun Watson? Pair him with Kyle Pitts? Like, that'll be fun. Yeah. Whew. Might have dodged a bullet. Not that Desmond Ritter is better, but... <laughs> He's not all that much worse. At least not as not as not not like it's gone this past year. We'll see. No. Oh, that's all I've got for this. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, I'm uh, excited for last week of playoffs. Hope everybody does well, but I'm also excited for Dynasty season. And I'm also really oh, yeah. sad the season Can't is wait. ending. I am... Fingers crossed, doing all kinds of good luck charms over here, trying to pull one out in the granddaddy of them all, and I'm so nervous. We'll, we'll see how it goes uh, this weekend. I'm not confident with a lead because my team has proven through many fantasy championships in the past we can't play with leads. <laughs> we, always look, we always blow it. You always end up coming up short. Yep. Well, we'll see. I, I would love to say this time next week we're both celebrating championship wins, but um, knowing our luck, there's going to be somebody who probably wins and somebody who is very, very sad. Yeah, it's going to happen. That'll do it for this one. We'll see you guys next week. Maybe we're having another therapy session. Maybe it's just straight dynasty talk. Who knows? We'll find out with find you. Out. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.